You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. I think it's important for your missionaries to be missionaries, to take mission trips. And before we actually get into the service, that song, It Is Well With My Soul, how many of you have heard the story of that? Horatio Spafford, the Chicago Fire, decided to send his wife and children over to England. And the ship that they were in was hit by another ship. And when she got to England, she telegraphed back a two-word note to her husband, saved alone. Horatio Spafford decided he needed to go and get his wife in England. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, the captain knocked on his door and said, Mr. Spafford, We're about to enter the spot where your daughters are. You know, you and I go through deep waters in life. I don't know of too many people who have lost four of their children at once. And yet, instead of turning against the Lord and being bitter about it, he looked and said, it is well with my soul. They are in a better place than the reality of it is. If you could interview those girls, none of them would want to come back. It's much better where they are. And for us as believers, It is well with our soul, for no matter what's happening to us. Sue and I had a great blessing uh, going to South Africa the end of May. We're members of Emmanuel Baptist Church up in Krona, and if if our pastor, Jason Georges, does nothing else, he pushes his people beyond their comfort zone. And he had a vision that he wanted 30 families to take 30 mission trips by by 2030. And so he said, here's the deal. If you will sign up for a mission trip, let us know where you want to go, and the church will pay for half of of your trip going to wherever you want. He told me now, uh, right now, 16 of the families have taken their trips, and in his word, all the low-hanging fruit is gone. Now we're getting people to go that pretty much have the criteria they've never been on an airplane before. So we're about to enter the interesting part of the mission trips. Well, we have missionary friends, Steve and Martha Anderson, and they are replacement missionaries for Baptist World Mission. They've been good friends with us for probably 20 to 25 years. And in talking to Steve and Martha, we just said, where will you be uh, April or May of 2019? And Steve said, we're just not exactly sure where we're going to be. We've got a couple of ideas, maybe Ireland, maybe South Africa. When he found out that he was going to be in South Africa, we also have friends that I worked with when I was in college. The missionaries are Tony and Kathy Payne, and they were all in Cape Town. Uh, The Andersons were replacing the Grahams in Cape Town, Tony and Kathy Payne minister in Cape Town. And so mid-May, we flew from Chicago, Illinois, to Zurich, and uh, then from Zurich to Johannesburg, Johannesburg to Cape Town. And what we would like to do is for a few brief moments just show you a little bit about the mission trip that we had and the blessing that we had in being there. We know that some of you prayed for us and we appreciate that. And so if I can, I'll borrow this mic. When I, when I do this presentation, <clears throat> both of us were on this trip, both of us ministered, and so there's parts of it that Sue's more uh, fluent or adept with what the slide is, being, is presenting. So I'll let her speak at that time, all right? So here we are. If you were to take and 
go to the exact opposite spot of the world than Owasso, Michigan, you would run a, a rod through the earth and you would end up just about here. So we could not have been farther around on the other side of the globe than right here at the tip of South Africa. We were just amazed in flying over Africa how huge that continent is. It seemed like it just took forever. When we were there, the religions, now there's Protestant, and by Protestant they, may, they say anything that is not Jewish or uh, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, Zion, Christian, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Roman Catholic, Methodist, a lot of Dutch Reformed people that we saw, Anglican, Muslim, Hindu, and then the traditional African um, uh, animistic paganism that, that they worship the spirits and all of that. So when you get to South Africa, you notice that they drive on the left side of the road. Here in Michigan, we drive on what's left of the road. Amen. Amen. One of the things that we were surprised with, after we did a lot of the missionary work, Tony and Kathy Payne said, we want, did you know there's penguins in South Africa? So they took us down to the tip of South Africa, and this is an amazing story of creation and reproduction. In 1982, two penguins landed on the shore. They were blown off in a storm. They end up on the tip of South Africa, and they do what penguins do, what God created them to do, and today there's over 5,000 penguins there. If, if you go to a zoo and they have penguins there, they came, they most likely they came from this colony of penguins in South Africa. So here we are at the Cape of Good Hope, south uh, easternmost tip. And just for us, the scenery was beautiful. Uh, this is a puff adder. And we wanted the true missionary experience. And as we were driving down the road, everybody's car was stopped. And so we looked and they said, that's a puff adder, one of the most dangerous snakes in the world. As we were walking up the, towards the mountain that was there, there was this baboon. And the, the thing about the baboon, incredibly strong, uh, and they've gotten used to the tourists to the point where they're very aggressive with the tourists, and there are a group of Chinese tourists there. He grabbed one of the Chinese ladies' bag, and this is the muffin that was in her bag he's enjoying. She tried to hold on to her bag, and the baboon flung her to the ground. <clears throat> Saw ostriches while we were there. Cape of Good Hope, the southwestern point of the continent of Africa. The, the scenery there was just stunningly beautiful. These are the missionaries, Tony and Kathy Payne. Tony and I were in college together. Uh, when we worked in the machine shop together, we sat next to each other. He's always been a good friend, always very much of an encouragement. His wife, Kathy, is just a real sweetheart. They minister in the town of Delft, which is one of the little colonies in, in uh, Cape Town. And third world poverty is third world poverty, and you can see how they put the homes together there and everything. And you'll notice no matter how poor the house is, almost every single one has a dish and a television there. Okay. The lady in the middle, the one I'm standing next to, her name is Elizabeth, and she is a faithful member of Tony and Kathy's church. She teaches the children's Sunday school class. Since we've left to come home, Elizabeth has had a heart attack, uh, but she's doing well. 
And then standing next to her is her mother, who's also named Elizabeth, and she's not saved. Uh, this was one of the days that I got to go visiting with Kathy. The baby also attends their church. Elizabeth takes care of her. And for us, it was just, um, I mean, third world poverty is third world poverty, but when you see that this is how they live, and, and this is the world that they live in, your heart goes out to them. And each one of these little um, ramsackle shacks has anywhere from six to eight to 10 people. Uh, when Tony and I were going in this neighborhood, at the end of this block, an area about this big right here over the Christmas holidays burned to the ground. They said it was six houses, or six houses and 71 people were displaced. So if you just do the math, you can see how many people live in a tiny house like that. And little kids, they don't know any different. This is the world they live in. Now, this is right across the street from the church that Tony and Kathy minister at. This is the playground or the lot that these kids play from. They're just leaving the school, walking to the car or whatever, and you can just see the trash everywhere and the homes. As we were driving around, we saw this woman with this tremendous weight on her back, walking on the, on the asphalt, bare feet, and I just couldn't help but come over the, the idea of Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Progress walking around with this tremendous weight that they just, it was a burden to them. See the lady with the uh, little papoose in the back? Another lady carrying the laundry or the groceries or something on her head. This is a day laborer. We saw these everywhere. Uh, this man is waiting for somebody to hire him. You can see he's got a level or something there and he just needs to go and work for the day. There is absolutely no welfare in South Africa, so if this man doesn't work, he and his family don't eat. When we went to the equivalent of the Home Depot, there was probably a line of maybe 10 of these guys, each one of them having different things, whether it was paintbrushes or carpentry equipment or rakes for landscaping, just waiting for someone to hire them for the day. This is um, the church where the ladies' meeting was that Sue spoke at. Oh, come back. Coming back one. Not coming back one. Take it. Oh. Okay, the lady on the left is, her name is Lydia, and she is the pastor's wife there at the church. And there were uh, ladies from both churches at that meeting. Then on Sunday morning, this is the, the church that Tony and Kathy Payne minister at, Eindhoven Baptist Kirk. They speak South Afrikaans there, and Tony is fluent in both English and South African, and he said, um, <clears throat> or Afrikaans, and he said, now when you speak in church, he said, speak as if you're speaking in a chapel and speak at like it's a junior high chapel. Don't talk too fast, uh, just limit the vocabulary. <laughs> And, and they will get it. So this was the Sunday morning service. It's in, a, it's in a school building. Really sweet believers that were there. The ladies got to sing a special number before the service. And then I spoke in the morning service. And then Sue taught Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And here's the project that she brought with them. Mm -hmm. 
another lesson on Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Our songs were about that, the lesson was, and then we also did a craft. Before we left, I had uh, emailed both Tony and Pastor Steve Anderson, and I said, what do you need? What can we bring you? And Kathy said that they could use uh, Sunday School of Material. So we had called around to a number of churches, and there was a church that was just getting rid of some old Sunday School material that they had. So we brought two suitcases each, and our larger suitcases, each one of them was filled with things for the missionaries, Sunday School material, other items that they might enjoy while we were there. Then Sunday afternoon, we met the lady who's on the left. I believe her name is Holly. She is a uh, short-term missionary there in South Africa. Here's something you don't see every day. Right on the side of the road, <laughs> the steer is just having his way with the greenery there. Sunday evening, their service was for the leadership of the church. Uh, it was a lesson on leadership. This is in Tony and Kathy Payne's home. And what I love about them is when they moved to Africa, one of the things that he talked about is some missionaries that aren't successful, when they come from America, they never get off the boat. They bring everything from America with them and they stay Americanized in their country. When you go through their house, their entire house is South African furniture, everything. They've just acclimated themselves and assimilated themselves into the community so that they can be uh, minister to them without as many hindrances, um, cultural hindrances between them and the people that they work with. And these, these are the men that are the deacons, the Sunday school teachers, the leader of the church. One thing that is impressive is this man right here was a model for magazines and billboards and advertisement and everything. And after he got saved, he just said, I don't think God wants me to use my body in that way. And so he just took a job as a laborer, gave up a very high paying, lucrative job to follow the Lord. Uh, if you've been around me very often, you know that I travel on my stomach and I thought, I wonder what the street food is like. And so this is us stopping at some, some cart that was by the side of the road. And we Fo didn't get sick. No, and the food was actually amazing. Now here's something. This is, <laughs> this is their taxi. Or, or Uber. <laughs> yeah, Uber. <laughs> yeah. Just some more people from their church. Um, Rita, and then her niece lives with her, and then that's her niece's daughter. Um, faithful members of their church. Now, this is Rita's aunt. Um, one of the leading causes of, aid, of death in South Africa is AIDS, and she was promiscuous. She told, um, basically, Rita that it would never happen to her. And in South Africa, um, when a person comes down with the symptoms of AIDS, the doctors diagnose that person with pneumonia because they don't want to be the AIDS capital of the world, even though they are. And uh, Tony said that they have not had uh, AIDS deaths affect their church directly, but they have had people uh, related to them, to the church members, die of AIDS. There's one cemetery in Johannesburg where they bury 60 people a day with AIDS-related deaths. Kathy is a nurse, and one of her ministries is, is to take blood pressure for the people. One of the ways she gets into different homes is by offering this service. And this lady here is Muslim, and she has not accepted the Lord yet, but Kathy has a tremendous ministry with her. 
She takes care of her grandchildren after school, and that's her grandson. This is the land <clears throat> that Tony and Kathy are praying about getting for their church building, and he said when they built their other church, they took seven dumpsters of trash off a one-acre lot, and so he said we're looking at if the Lord gives them this property here, they would expect to do about the same thing. This is their cleanup project before they start their work on the building. Now, this was a tremendous blessing to me, something I didn't even know existed in South Africa, but this is a Christian school in Cape Town, South Africa. And when we were there, uh, Tony said, would you like to speak at the Christian school? So this is the, the car for the Andersons. We did a trade-off. The second week that we were there, we were with Steve and Martha. And so this is speaking in the chapel at the Christian school. And then just looks just like a Christian school here in Michigan. It was just a blessing being there. Steve and Martha Anderson are replacement missionaries with Baptist World. And as a replacement missionary, his job is to, to keep the church intact while the main missionary is back uh, meeting with their churches. And so along with the missionary work that we did, he said, there's things that we want you to see. And this is the top of Table Mountain looking down on uh, Cape Town there. The Grahams were the missionaries. Uh, we loved them. She graduated from Junietta Christian School here in Michigan. One of the things I wanted to say was it, it was it was an amazing experience for us to go to South Africa. We began praying for our trip months and months before we went, just praying that the Lord would prepare our hearts, that we could minister in a way that would be a help to the missionaries. Um, we prayed for the people. We prayed that we could be an encouragement to the missionaries. And God answered that prayer. And we're so excited that we get to share these pictures with you and truly wish we could have brought you all with us. And just, just a challenge from my heart is please just pray about going on a mission trip if you've, if you've never been on a mission trip. God will do some amazing things in your heart. Amen. And if it's something that God wants you to do, he will provide a way for you to go. Um, we had never met the Grahams, although um, Mrs. Graham is from Michigan. And they, we found out that they were in Michigan while we were in South Africa. And we stayed in their home uh, with the Andersons for a week. So after we got back home, I contacted Katie, and of course she knew we were with the Andersons, and I asked her if we might be able to get together sometime before they went back to South Africa, and so we had them at our home for dinner one night, and it was a blessing to get to meet them as well. Amen. South Africa is on a water shortage, water rationing, and this is something that I've never had to deal with a little bit on a mission trip down to Mexico, but not to this level. If you see, they have two massive water tanks right here, 1,500 gallons each. They collect all the rainwater off the roof. This is all the, the water for the toilets and anything non-drinking. Uh, one of the things that we did as soon as we got back home, there you take a military shower. You turn the water on, you turn it off, you lather up, you rinse off and then you get out of the shower. So when we got back to Michigan, I marinated in that shower. 
This is our Wednesday night Bible study uh, in the home with uh, very sweet families that they have in their church. And one of the things, you and I, we have first world problems. We don't even think of things. One of the things that they asked us to do is to bring over Reese's candy bars. They can't get a Reese's candy bar over there. And so we brought Reese's candy bars and some Sunday school material for this family that's in their church. Uh, this is a youth activity on Friday night at the home of the folks that you just saw. And then Saturday morning, we had a men's Bible study and prayer time. And then a time of Bible study, men's breakfast, Bible study, and then prayer time with these godly, godly people in South Africa. And then after the men had their meeting, we cleaned up and got ready for a ladies' meeting that we had the same day there in the Grams' home. This was the ladies of their church. It was just, to me, the cultural thing, looking at different things. I thought, man, I wonder if I need a haircut. I think I'll go into this barber. <laughs> uh, maybe not. And then I kept asking the missionary, I said, what does a tuck shop mean? And he said, that's their 7-Eleven. That's where you get to spend a lot of money for something you could get relatively inexpensively if you went to the grocery store. Everywhere that we went, we gave out tracts. We tried to witness to as many people as we possibly could. And then spoke Sunday morning. And after Sunday morning service, we had Sunday school. This is where they have their Sunday school class meeting. And if you'll notice the rubble in the back right here, and we just sat outside. I taught a lesson, uh, a Sunday school lesson. And then when we were through, I said, what are these things up on the roof? And in South Africa, those are the water heaters. The solar panels heat the water, and these things are called geysers for their hot water. This was the ladies' class that I was able to teach. Now, here, Sunday afternoon, we had our true missionary experience. Sunday afternoon, we went to the little town of Gugaletu. And I should have known, but when we were having Sunday school and after we had the lesson, the men prayed around for the afternoon service and every man prayed, Lord, keep them safe. Lord, there's so many bad things in Gugaletu. Lord, please keep them safe, bring them back safely. Well, when we drove over there, that town was very crowded. The road that we drove on was a little bit wider than the aisle right here. And there were just people everywhere and just crowded around the car as we were driving through Gugaletu. And Sue took out her camera and she was gonna take a picture. And I, I wanted said, a picture for this. Yeah, and I said, no, we're not safe here because after Sunday school, I Googled the word Gugaletu and just the week before a businessman was driving through that town where we were and he was dragged from his car and killed and they stole his car from him. While we were there, we made a wrong turn. We were in a bad part of town. Our wrong turn took us into a worse part of town, and we stopped and we saw a police Yeah, We stopped to get directions at a gas station, and thankfully there was a policeman there, and Pastor Steve went and asked him for directions, and he escorted us to where we needed to be, which was only a few blocks away. But still, it, that was our true missionary experience. Um, I don't like doing too many things if there's not an element of danger involved. If there's a 50-50 chance that we could come back, sign me up. Oh, one more. This, uh, uh, we are at, I think, a, a Boy Scout, uh, a Scout's 
Paul for the Sunday afternoon service there. Oh yeah, so two of the people in the church, the, the lady that you saw that had the, like the black and white shawl on, she's from this neighborhood. And she and her husband have such a burden to go back and to reach the people. It's their ministry Sunday afternoon to go back and to reach the girls, to reach the young boys, to talk to them about God's direction in their life. And you can't have a missionary presentation without the final slide being the sunset over South Africa. So I just want to be a regular missionary. You take missionary trips here, and so this is nothing new to you, but for us it was an amazing experience. And for those of you who are able to pray for us, thank you so much for that. If you have your Bibles tonight, will you please turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. Psalm 78, and out of respect to God's word, let's all stand together if you're able to. The psalmist Asaph gives us these words. In Psalm 78, he says, Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Verse 6, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. And then our text for this evening, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, you are so good to us, much better to us than we deserve. You've blessed us abundantly. Your mercies are new to us every single morning. And Lord, we owe so much to you for all that you've done for us. And yet, even at our very best, we can't even begin to repay the grace, the mercy, the love that you've shown for us. Help us to have a love in our heart for you, for the people that you've called us to minister to, for the lost of this world, help us to have a burden for them. Father, I ask that in the few brief moments that we have here this evening, that you would bless in this time, that your word would go forth with power. These are your words. Let him that hath ear to hear, let him hear. Thank you so much for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> The very first president of the Michigan Association of Christian Schools was a man by the name of Paul Vanneman. If any of you knew him, he had a burden, he had, a, he had just a passion that people let their lives count for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would preach a message that was entitled, Your life is going to count for something, make your life count for Jesus. The purpose of Christian education is found in verse 7, that our students might learn to set their hope in God. You know, we live in a world today where people set their hope in almost anything but God. We talked to people, I was listening to a pastor talk about soul winning in his neighborhood one time, going door to door, and he came to the house of the richest man in his city. And he thought, well, he needs the gospel too. And he knocked on the door, and as this man happened to come to the door, the pastor was witnessing to him, 
And he was talking about his need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the man said, Pastor, you need to understand everything I've ever gotten in life, I've gotten. And you know what he was going to say with these two hands. And before he could utter it, the pastor said, from the Lord. He goes, well, no, 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 no. Everything I've ever gotten in life, I've gotten. And he said, from the Lord. There's nothing that you and I have that God didn't give to us. There's nothing that you and I could possibly acquire in this life that God doesn't already own and he lets us have right down to the very breath in our lungs. When we have Christian education, one of the things that we want our students to do is to develop a biblical worldview, to see the world from God's perspective, from a heavenly view, and not necessarily from an earthly view. We want spiritual morale in the school. We want good adult leadership. We encourage our students through chapels, through evangelistic meetings, through taking mission trips when they're able to. We encourage them to go to camp. We desire that they would be spiritually minded and let their life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. One writer has said this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. What we did here today, raising our voices in praise to the Lord, reading his word, fellowshipping with one another. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over, the countless millions of the redeemed will fall on their faces before the throne of God. Missions will be no more. It's a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. On October 30th, the missionary Charles Wesco was in his car with his wife, son, and another missionary, Ben Sinclair, on their way to a market in a city in Cameroon where he was shot. Now, the authorities tell us he was caught in a crossfire between rebels and the, and the country's militia. The reality of it is the rebels targeted a missionary to kill that day. A person who was knowledgeable of the event said what happened was as the Wescos drove to this roundabout, there was a rebel standing there with a shotgun with a slug loaded. As soon as they saw the, the Wesco's car, they fired for Mr. Wesco, who was in the passenger seat. Somebody who was there said the slug entered his forehead, blew the back of his head off into his wife's lap, and she cradled him as he was dying on the way to the hospital. Some people would say, what a tragedy. The missionary Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. God gives us our life, it belongs to him. Do you want to hear what a tragedy is? This is a report that was in Reader's Digest. Listen to this. Here's the tragedy. Bob and Penny took an early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. They live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That is a tragedy. Come to the end of their life, saved or unsaved, Lord, this is what I've got in my life. Look at my shells. I collected these. Here's my softball trophy. 55 and over category, prosthetic division. Who cares about that stuff? And yet they were citywide champs, I'm sure. That's the tragedy. 
We spend our hours on things that will make no difference for eternity. There are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars trying to buy what they believe is the American dream. And can I tell you, don't buy it. Every advertisement on television is a lie. Don't buy the baubles that this world has to sell, the neon dreams. Don't buy it. Your life is going to count for something. Let your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. The missionary said, C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I am so thankful that the Lord has called Sue and me into the ministry of Christian education. We got involved in Christian schools when we were in high school. We put our way, our, we paid our own way to go to a school just like you have here. And from 1975 until today, we have been paying Christian school bills, whether it was our Christian school for us, our college bills, our kids' Christian school bills, our kids' college bills, and today we have the tremendous blessing of having our, our grandchildren in a Christian school. We have a burden for Christian education. Being the person that I am, numbers kind of matter. And one day I was thinking, I wonder what I've spent on Christian education in my life. And so I thought back from the time the girls were in kindergarten through all the way through high school and then on into college, and up until they all three graduated from college, I figured out as best as I could, and I said to Sue, as best as I can tell, we have spent $317,000 on Christian school bills. That would have been a nice house, much nicer than we live in now. That would have been a nice boat, cabin up north. And I said to Sue, what do you think of that? And she said, it was no expense, it was an investment an investment in eternity. As far as I'm concerned, there are two eternal things in this world, the word of God and the souls of men, and every single day in this Christian school, your teachers, your helpers get to touch both. They get to handle the word of God and influence the life of the next generation. One of the reasons that Christian education and the Christian church is going to be coming under persecution in the next few years. It's not that we believe God. There are a lot of people who believe in God. You talk to people and they say, we believe in God. The difference is, we believe God. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, amen. Remember that little saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. What's wrong with that? God said it, doesn't matter what I believe, that settles it. And we try to teach our children and our young people in the Christian school, your life is going to count for something. You may be known for something. Whatever it is you're calling in this life, let your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. And by that, this is what I mean. We have young people that go off into various fields. Uh, there was a day that in the... Uh, um, what's called the Situation Room in the White House, the place where on 9-11 they took Vice President Cheney, there's a secure access code that only the person on guard that day can open up the door to get the, pre the vi president or vice president in that room. And one of the MAC students had that access code to give the president of the United States or vice president safety. And what I mean by that is you and I are going to be called in life to do things. Whatever your calling is, let your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, this is my occupation this is my vocation but my passion is 
I want to serve you. I don't want to stand before you ashamed. I don't want to stand before you having to give a less than favorable account of the days that you have so graciously given me. I was speaking at a pastor's meeting and they had a question and answer period. And a pastor stood up and he said, maybe you can answer this question for me. He said, I get up on Sunday morning and I preach Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. He said, then I go home and get up on Monday morning and I answer the mail, I answer the phone calls, I make hospital calls. And Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm getting ready for Wednesday night. Thursday is hospital calls and visits. And Saturday is just trying to relax a little bit. He said, I feel his words, I feel like I'm on a treadmill. There's just drudgery going over and over again. I've never had a question like that asked. I've never felt like that in life. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, I'll be thankful we got something to do. Weak answer, weak. So I came home and I was talking to Sue about that. And I said, what would you have said? She said, you ought to have him go to a hospital to somebody who's an invalid, who can't walk anymore. Somebody who's on life support system. Somebody who has lost everything in this world and see if they wouldn't want to trade places with him. There is no drudgery in this world when we serve the Lord, when every single day counts for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I involved in Christian education? Because I believe that Christian schools are the last best hope for missionaries, for pastors, for sold out young people to serve the Lord in this world. Why do I say that? Sue and I attended South St. Paul High School throughout our, our public school years. For the first part of our life, our education was totally unintentional. I went to Washington Elementary School because it was eight blocks from my house. Sue went to Lincoln Elementary School because it was just down the road from her house. No intention whatsoever. Our junior and senior years, we got intention with our education and we went to a Christian school almost 30 miles from our home. But can I tell you something? South St. Paul High School is not producing missionaries like it used to. South St. Paul Public High School is not producing pastors like it used to. I did speak for one pastor who graduated from South St. Paul High School in 1966, but they're not producing missionaries, pastors like they used to. The last best hope for the future, for our country, I firmly believe is in Christian schools. Sacred Scripture inspires us that this is our mission. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. <clears throat> but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world, the uttermost part of the earth. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. If we could read this as Luke is writing it in the words that he used there, when he uses the word witness, he is using the word martus, which is where we get the word martyr from. Let's read that this way. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be martyrs unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea 
and, unto the, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's interesting grammatically when you look at that verse and he says, ye shall be witnesses unto me, and then he says both. But then he lists four things. And if you and I were in English class, you would say if you're going to say both, there should be two things, but he says four things. That word both is amazing because what it means is as you're doing one, do the other. So for Fellowship Baptist Church, while we are here ministering in our Jerusalem, we send missionaries beyond the world. While we're ministering here in the area of Jackson, Michigan, we are sending missionaries to other parts of the earth. It's not do one to the exclusion of the other, do one as you are doing the other. And then in Acts chapter 15, the Bible talks about the men who hazarded their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. The great missionary C.T. Studd said, that is what I want to do. I want my life to be on the very edge of humanity where I can be the greatest help. And one of the things he would say is, some people want to have a mission, and some people want to minister within the sound of the mission bell. I want to send a mission, I want to set up a mission post within one yard of hell. I want to be where the people are most needy and have the the greatest desire to hear the gospel and need to hear the gospel. One of the things the Lord calls us to do is to be a witness for him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. This is the greatest thing that a Christian school teacher can say to any of their students, follow my life's example as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. As I think about missions, as I think about the call that you and I are called to do, the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good news, Romans chapter 10. Did you ever notice that we live in a country consumed with looks, our physical appearance? There's all kinds of books, all kinds of advertisements, all kinds of infomercials on this. And you can get infomercials on getting rid of the wrinkles on your face, getting rid of the blotches on your skin. You can find an infomercial on everything. I have never seen an infomercial on how to give somebody beautiful feet. And yet God says, if you're a minister for me, if you're a missionary, your feet are beautiful. We're consumed with appearance. There's books. There was one book that was entitled Dress for Success. If you've ever read Dress for Success, you can see that I haven't. But but we are consumed with looks. And the Bible is crystal clear as to what we're supposed to do, what our ministry is. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we are supposed to make our lives count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Mr. Wesco was a martyr. And when the martyrdom of the five missionaries in Quito, Ecuador happened in the 1950s, that was a clarion call for people to stand up to go and fill the gap where they were. Jim Elliott, Roger Udarian, Nate Saint, all of them gave their lives invested, and those five lives were just like seeds that were planted, and more missionaries went to fill the gap. You have a mission-minded church. Your church takes mission trips. That's to be commended. There's some churches, they, it hasn't crossed their mind, but you do that. Praise the Lord for the opportunities that pastor gives you. But you know what? Each one of us has been given a life. Let's not waste our life. Let's not become thick with thin things. 
I've, never, I've been to a number of times in the hospital where somebody was on their dying bed. And I've never once heard that person say, I wish I would have drafted Adrian Peterson for my fantasy football league. I've never once heard them say, I wish I would have played more Angry Birds. No, you know what they say? My cousin's wife said to me over the phone, I have wasted my life. Looking back over 40 years of her life, and she just stamps on it, I wasted it. Don't waste your life. Your life is going to count for something. Let it count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Make your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Live with intention. This is our message. You know, we sing a song. Maybe you sing it more often than I've heard it than I've heard recently. But the song is entitled, Give Your Best to the Master. Sometimes we think, you know, Lord, after I retire, I'll do something. Sue and I were at a wedding about a month ago. It was at a church that I've been speaking at for a number of years. And there was an older man that was a deacon, retired police officer there. And at the wedding reception, we were talking. I was sitting next to this man. And I said, Bill, how is retirement treating you? And he said, it's not what I thought it would be. He's 71 years old. He said, my dream of retirement was to get a motor home, maybe to go on mission trips, but to tour and to see America. And he said, I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. I don't have the desire to do what I used to do. So he looked at me, he put his finger in my face, and he said, so do what you're going to do now. There's a sense of urgency. The Bible says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day we're supposed to be doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't dream off into the future. None of us have a guarantee if any of us are going to be here one year, one week, one month from now. Today, there should be a sense of urgency. Give your life to the master. Give, your strength, give the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh glowing ardor or passion into the battle for truth. Sue and I just attended a seminar recently, and the whole theme of the seminar was the truth. We live in a society today where truth has become a malleable, debatable concept. There's people, young people in college today, they say, well, you know, that might be your truth, but that's not my truth. No. There is only one truth, and that truth is not a concept, it's a person. What did the Lord Jesus Christ say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if they're going to hear, I'm sorry, but the national theologians in NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, and others, they're not going to tell them the truth. You've been entrusted with the gospel. I want you to think about something. Think about how you got saved. All right? Only one time in doing this in 19 years have I ever heard one person say, I just thought I should do something for the Lord, so I went to a Christian bookstore, I bought a Bible, I started reading it, and I led myself to the Lord. One time in all the churches that we've spoken. Do you know what the average person's testimony is? Pastor stopped by my house and led me to the Lord. I had a Sunday school teacher who had a burden for me and led me to the Lord. I had a co-worker who led me to the Lord. I was in the, I was in the military 
a fellow soldier, sailor, led me to the Lord. Somebody had a burden and compassion on you, and they opened up the scripture, and they brought you to the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you doing with your life? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you giving it to somebody? It doesn't have to be a sermon on a street corner. It can be as simple as handing somebody a track. It can be as simple as gospeling your language to them. Let me tell you what the Lord's doing in my life. Let me tell you about an answer of prayer. But it is our task, our responsibility to realize our life is going to count for something. Let your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.